Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. How do you want to be remembered? Think about that. When you die, what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? What will they say was most important to you? What will your legacy be to your family and your friends? At cemeteries over the years, I have seen tombstones emblazoned or engraved with emblems of all kinds of things, emblems of professional sports teams with engravings of hockey sticks or tennis rackets or horses or golf clubs. But what, what do you really want to be remembered for? On the tombstone of the great voiceover actor Mel Blanc, who was the voice of the cartoon character Bugs Bunny, it says, that's all, folks. <laughs> or a woman named Genevieve Beatty, who grew up in the Swedish community of Lindborg, Kansas. Her tombstone reads, I'm Swedish, past the lutefisk. <laughs> or comedian Rodney Dangerfield, who was famous for his line, I don't get no respect, died in 2004, and his humor was self-deprecating to the end. His tombstone is engraved, there goes the neighborhood. And on the tombstone of a dentist named John Denby, and you may have to think about this one, but it reads, I'm filling my last cavity. <laughs> Most of us really do want to be remembered for something. We want to leave a mark on the world. And in today's gospel, Jesus is nearing the end of his earthly life, and he's having this long conversation with his small handful of closest friends about the meaning of life. And as usual, Jesus tells them a story, a parable. Jesus said there once was a man who was going on a long journey, but before he left, he called in his servants, and he entrusted them with his property. To one he gave five talents, and a talent is a gold coin of, or was a, talent, a gold coin of considerable worth back at the time of Jesus. And so to another he gave two talents, and to the third he gave only one talent. And then the master went away. Immediately the five-talent servant began trading and in investing his talents, and he turned five into ten. And the two-talent servant did the same thing, earning two more talents. But the one-talent servant was afraid that he might fail his master, so he simply dug a hole in his backyard and he buried his one talent. One day there was a, a knock at the door. The master returned and he asked his servants for an accounting. And when the five-talent and two-talent servants gave their report, the master was very, very pleased. And then the one-talent servant said that he had not wanted to risk that which had been entrusted to him, so he simply buried it. And the master was furious, and he cast him into outer darkness. Well, this is a very simple and direct parable, unlike some of Jesus' parables. God entrusts every single person with a life and with the gifts necessary to make something of that life. And it's up to us to use them wisely, to invest and manage our gifts in such a way that we'll leave a legacy and leave the world a better place. 
I'm reminded of a, a true story from many years ago about a, a boy named Tony. His voice as a young man or young person was high and squeaky. He loved to sing, but he couldn't even make it past the auditions for the local boys' choir. And so he took violin lessons until the neighbors complained and his parents had him stop playing the violin. And yet Tony loved music. He still wanted to make music. His friends gave him a hard time because his only talent seemed to be whittling. And when he was older, he served as an apprentice to a music instrument maker. His knack for whittling turned into, a, into carving, and his hobby actually became his craft, his livelihood. He worked patiently and faithfully for many, many years. And by the time Tony died, he left over 1,500 violins each one bearing a label that said, Antonio Stradivarius. And today they are, of course, the most sought-after violins in the world, each worth millions of dollars. Now, Antonio couldn't sing. He wasn't a particularly gifted musician. But his responsibility was to use his ability to the glory of God, and his violins are still making beautiful music even to this day. I heard it, I've heard it said, our potential is God's gift to us, and what we do with our potential is our gift back to God. I really like that. Our potential is God's gift to us, and what we do with it is God, our gift back to God. And when we fail to use our gifts, so often we lose them. I think that's true of most of our gifts and talents and abilities. It's true of athletic ability. If you don't practice or, or play the game, you'll become rusty. Or true of our intellect, our mind, musical talent, our skills and our crafts, even the gift of time. If you, if you don't use your time while you have it, it's wasted. Use them or lose them. That's really how it works with most of our gifts. And that's what happened to the servant who was given this one talent in Jesus' parable. He simply buried his gift in the ground. He played it safe. And in the end, he lost it all because it was just wasted. Jesus tells today's parable to remind us that God created you and me with a purpose. And that purpose is to do God's work in the world he has blessed every one of us with unique skills and gifts and abilities so that each one of us can help to further God's kingdom on this earth. And the neat thing about it, the good thing about it, is that when we do that, so often our own lives are enriched and blessed and fulfilled. Our gospel for today invites every one of us to think about what our legacy in this world will be. John Ortberg, one of my favorite authors, uh, wrote a book, When the Game is Over, It All Goes Back in the Box. And in that book, he tells a great story about his grandmother. He writes, Sometime after Florence, my grandmother on my father's side died, my grandfather called my mother with an unusual offer. Catty, he said in his heavy sweet Swedish accent, I was going through some of Florence's tings into attic when I came across a box of old dishes. I was going to get rid of them, but I noticed they're blue, your favorite color. 
Why don't you take a look at them, and if you want them, they're yours. Otherwise, I'll give them to the Salvation Army. So my mother went through the attic expecting some run-of-the-mill dinnerware. Instead, when she opened up the box, she was looking at some of the most exquisite china she had ever seen. Each plate had been individually painted with a, a pattern of flowers of blue forget-me-nots. And the cups and saucers were inlaid mother-of-pearl. And the plates and the cups were rimmed with gold. The china had been handcrafted in a Bavarian factory that was destroyed during the Second World War, so they were literally irreplaceable. And yet my mother had been in the family for many years, and she had never seen this beautiful set of china. And she asked my father about it. He had grown up in the family, and he had never seen it either. Eventually, they found out from some older family members the story of the china. When my grandmother Florence was very young, she was given the china over a period of several years. They were not a wealthy family, and the china was quite valuable, so she only got one or two pieces at a time for a gift, for confirmation, for graduations, for birthdays, and for her engagement, and for her wedding. So why had my parents never seen it? Now, to know that, Ortberg says, you have to know something about the character of Swedes. These are his words, not mine. <laughs> For those of you who are Swedish, he says, we are a cautious kind of people. We don't roll the dice easily. For instance, my two great aunts lived for 80 years in a beautiful Victorian home built by my great-grandfather in the 1800s. And the most beautiful room in the house was the parlor. It was reserved for special guests, but no guest that special ever came to the house. <laughs> so the parlor never, ever was used. Whenever Florence, my grandmother, received a piece of china because it was so valuable, because if it was used, it might be broken, she would wrap it very carefully in tissue and carefully place it in the box and store it in the attic for a very special occasion. But no occasion that special ever came along. So my Swedish grandmother went to her grave with the greatest gift of her life, unopened and unused. And he concludes, then my mother was given the dishes, and she uses them promiscuously every chance she has. They finally made it out of the box. You see, our God has gifted every one of us with unique and valuable and interesting gifts. What is the special thing that you can do that nobody else can do in quite the same way? Is it a smile, the gift of gracious hospitality? I know many of you have that gift. Is it the ability to encourage other people? Is it an ability to pray earnestly? Is it a skill like music or art or teaching or managing or quilting as we see today? Is it the gift of a servant's heart, someone who is always eager to help other people? Is it the gift of listening? 
The possibilities of gifts and talents and abilities is almost endless. And today in this parable of the talents, God challenges each one of us to unwrap our gifts, not to hide them and bury them, but to to open them up and discover what's inside and to share them in a way that will make God's kingdom on earth a better place. So I'd like you like to leave you with a simple question this week, something for you to think about throughout the week. What will your legacy be? What will your legacy be? What do you hope will be inscribed on your gravestone or marker someday? How about this one? Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen.